What are the limits of building better habits? Written by Scott Young, September 2020. My first set of articles I ever wrote on this blog that got some attention were a series called Habitual Mastery. At the time, I had spent a couple years extensively working on my habits through 30-day trials, and the series was an attempt to condense my observations into usable advice. For someone who has never put in serious effort into building new habits, the concept can be life-changing. A lot of writers who talk about self-improvement start with habits. A reason for this seems to be that once you get into the habit of making habits, it can seem so transformational that you just have to start writing about it. And thus, it's fair to say I'm an advocate of habit building as a tool. Yet I think it's the very power of a tool like habit building that can also create some overreach. Some of the things I thought I could do with enough conditioning or training failed to materialize. In other circumstances, habits are simply the wrong way of thinking about making progress on some goals. In this episode, I'd like to explore what I see as some of the limitations to an otherwise beneficial practice. Limits to habits. One, habits aren't routines. One limit is pretty straightforward. Not all behaviors can be easily automated. As Niriel argues, a lot of what we refer to as habits are simply routines cognitively effortful activities that require effort and attention. Thus, there isn't, strictly speaking, a habit for studying a difficult topic or putting in a hard workout at the gym. Nobody ever became absent-minded and snapped out of it to realize they're midway through a bench press. Habits, in this stricter sense, are those behaviors that flow automatically and unconsciously from a set of prompts. Routines are behaviors we do repeatedly but involve many deliberate actions that can't be done without some effort and thinking. This suggests putting some caution on one's goals for habits. If the idea is that a behavior can proceed with zero effort after sufficient habituation, you may be disappointed. Routines can become easier with time, but they rarely have zero effort required. Two, habits are often fragile. This leads me to my second limitation of habits. They're rarely permanent. Since many habits are actually routines, mixtures of automated and deliberate action, there are few we care about that don't involve some ongoing effort to sustain. I've written before about why I think habits are often meta-stable. They can require little effort to sustain, provided everything else in your life is static. Since that assumption rarely holds, there's always some effort required to reassert the routine you want. Exercise is a clear example. If you go to the gym every day without fail for an entire year, it's safe to say that it will feel quite automatic when you're done. No small part of that is simply the commitment you've made that makes the exercise routine highly salient. Thus, it may feel fairly easy to continue. Except you switch jobs, move houses, or get injured, and your schedule changes. You miss a few days, maybe even a few weeks. Certainly, rebuilding is easier than exercising the first time, but there is a non-trivial effort involved. Where this is particularly relevant is when there are multiple habits you want to sustain. Maintaining one or two good habits is fine, but if you need to maintain dozens, all of which have non-zero time commitments, you may have a situation that's untenable long-term. Three, habits aren't commitments. I've already spoken about the difference between habits and routines. The latter require active effort and can't be fully automated. The most you can hope for is to automate some aspects of setting up or getting started that make it a little bit smoother. Commitments are another thing that seem similar to habits, but are really quite different. 
A commitment is a rule you've put in place for yourself. That rule might be something like, I must exercise at least five times per week, or I don't eat desserts on weekdays. Once again, like routines, there are elements of this that get easier with repeated application. Saying no to chocolate cake during an office birthday party feels weird the first time, but fine after you've been doing it for months. But what's characteristic of a habit is that behavior flows automatically from a triggering situation. This is not the case with self-enforced rules. Otherwise, the rule wouldn't even need to be explicit. It would just be something you do without thinking about it. Similarly, many commitments can result in a backsliding effect if they're violated. If eating healthy were a habit, you'd expect someone who diets to slowly transition to eating less healthy in the event of a slip. Instead, it's common to see major backsliding, temporarily eating much worse than before the diet began. In this case, it was the self-conscious force of a rule, I should do X, that was inhibiting overeating, not an unconscious and automatic habit. Done repeatedly, elements of a commitment can become a habit. The person who never eats meat doesn't think about eating it at a barbecue. But like routines, commitments may require an ongoing investment of effort to sustain. If violations result in backsliding, it probably means that the force sustaining the behavior wasn't a habit. Four, habits are often too slow. The habit-forming philosophy, that you ought to do things slowly and steadily since positive automatic behaviors will compound over time, has major benefits, but there are many cases where such a strategy just doesn't apply. The person starting a business may have only a few months to reach profitability or they'll run out of capital. Starting a new job, going back to school, taking on a difficult project, all involve similar large upfront investments of effort that can't be smoothed down. The problem isn't that habits aren't relevant in intense projects. Clearly they are. The problem is that if you take the prescription of slow and steady seriously, you often end up choosing a wildly different strategy than if you were thinking about expending an obsessive level of effort. What matters isn't whether slow and steady in general is better than fast and obsessive, but the effectiveness of the specific strategy you chose. In some cases, slow and steady leads to a more sustainable strategy that works well in the long run. Writing a blog, for instance, is something that can take years to build an audience, even if you're really good. Thus, slow and steady may be better than the assumption that you should know whether or not you're successful after a month. In contrast, I found language learning to be a case where slow and steady was often disastrous, in the beginning at least. The reason is that it tends to push people to passive learning techniques that are really ineffective, like playing on your phone instead of actually communicating. And later on, once you've reached some foothold in the language, slow and steady starts to look a lot better. The point isn't to make some general prescription about whether you ought to go fast or slow. Rather, it's to say that when you're picking an approach, the foremost decision is to do what works. Sometimes that's amenable to a process of slowly accumulating long-term habits. Other times, a more serious, obsessive effort will be needed. And sometimes you need both. The mistake is in assuming that slow or fast always works best, and then using that to dictate the strategy you pick, regardless about whether that specific strategy is particularly effective. Five, human nature has limits. Habits are an important tool, but they're just a tool. Like a hammer or a saw, they work really well for some things, banging nails, cutting wood, and really bad for other things, painting a picture or petting a kitten. In my early days of setting habits, I imagined that human nature was almost infinitely plastic. 
And thus I worked on a lot of new projects that assumed I could change my behavior in any way I wanted. And with only enough time, that new behavior would be just like my old habits. I've already talked about why this isn't true in the case of routines and commitments, for which the majority of useful behaviors we want to cultivate are, but the limitations there are mostly a matter of degree. No, you generally can't expect an effortful behavior to become completely effortless, but even making it somewhat easier helps a lot. In contrast, other habits I think are particularly difficult to sustain because they run counter to our basic physiological and psychological needs. A habit that requires you to sleep only four hours isn't just a matter of conditioning. At some point, exhaustion will set in. Extreme diets, exercise plans, or even working rhythms can all be unsustainable too. Conditioning can't overcome physiological deprivation. The same is true, but in a more subtle way, for our psychological needs. Human beings have deeply hardwired needs for autonomy, competence, and relatedness. Any habit that consistently negates one of these won't last. Where do habits work well? So, given all this negativity, I think I better clarify my initial point. Habits are good, and habit-forming methods are quite useful. In particular, a focus on habits is useful when, first, the most effective approaches depend more on patiently persisting over long periods of time, rather than overcoming brief but intense obstacles. Two, the behavior you want can eventually run in the background of your life, not requiring a lot of deliberate thinking and effort. And three, you're looking to make long-term changes to your routine or lifestyle rather than a temporary shift for particular circumstances. Understanding the limitations of habits is part of what makes them powerful. If you go in with the right expectations, you'll be far more likely to make them stick. Thanks for listening to this episode. More episodes like this can be found by searching for Scott H. Young Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, and most other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider rating my show as it helps other people find out about it. More of my work can be found on my website, scotthyoung.com. Thank you.